Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show How's everybody feeling? What up cyber family? <laughs> I'm extra cold out in trash can studios today So I'm trying to keep my energy up so I can keep some of that blood flowing so I can warm myself up. It is cold out here and extra trashy. Let me just say. How's everybody feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, obviously. I'm feeling rejuvenated, energized. Look, I know we're a day later. Typically, we come out on Thursday. This week, it's going to be Friday. But that's without, you know, without any NFL games this week. I felt like let me take an extra day. See if anything exciting happens. And I'm glad I did. Because we got some stuff to talk about, y'all. But let's intro this thing. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So as I said, man, we got some things to get into. We want to we wanna get right into it. Start it off hot. The GOAT. The GOAT Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement again. But this time, he did it real matter-of-factly via uh, a little video clip on the beach. Got a little emotional, choked up. I got to be honest, man. I don't believe it. <laughs> I know he's got, like, the contract... Uh, the broadcasting contract already, like a 10-year, 300-and-something million-dollar contract. So it's like, all right, he's got something else to go do. So it's not like, what's he going to do with his life? Um, but I'll be honest, man. I think I think this last year burnt him out, man. I think personally, in his personal life, we all know, you know, separating from his wife. Um we don't know how that affected things in terms of trying to co-parent, you know, visitation, things like that. That that was rough on top of on the field, man. It was just a mess. And I think I think he's just burnt out right now. I think the idea of just trying to go through that grind again is probably just unappealing. So, look, if this is it for real for uh, Mr. Tom Brady, what a career, man. I mean, I don't, you know, you've heard it all week. I don't need to go over it again. We all acknowledge and agree that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. We agree that his longevity is remarkable. Uh, You know, there's nothing else to be said, but just congrats to the guy. Good luck in retirement. And uh, listen, I hope, I hope for the sake of that network that that gave him that contract, he works out. (laughs) I know after Romo, everybody wants like, to get the next guy, like maybe the quarterbacks, maybe they're the guys, maybe the guys, you know, maybe he could be another Tony Romo, but I don't know. Tony Romo's unique. It's my guy. It's my quarterback. <laughs> Let's get into real news, man. Look, I have to come clean. I have to confess. I've been hating on the Eagles all season. If you listen to this show, uh, you know, if you're new here, if this happens to be your first week, look, I've said for weeks and weeks and weeks that the Eagles were a one-and-done team, that I'm not impressed. I don't think they're very good. I think they're a little overrated, smoke and mirrors, da-da-da-da-da. Like, I I said it all. Uh, I have to confess, I'm a Cowboys fan, and a lot of that was hate. <laughs> I was hating, man. There's nothing else to be said, right? Like, you have to come clean at some point. I was hating. After watching that game... Uh, against the 49ers, man, that defense is legit. That defensive line, that defensive front is legit. You know, you know all the, they're like third most in sacks in a season all time. Like they put up some incredible numbers. They're, they're, they're loaded. They're stacked. They're legit. And I even said going into that game with the 49ers that they were going to turn the heat up on Brock Purdy, that I saw some stuff in the game against Dallas, even though they won, I saw some things with Brock Purdy where if you put some heat on him, you can get him flustered a little bit. So I'm not surprised that they got the Purdy early. Uh, I am surprised that he got injured. And I know, I know, listen, 49ers fans, you're all going to sit there and complain and whine, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have a quarterback, this and that. Our quarterback got hurt in the first quarter. I get it. But let me tell you something. If Brock Purdy's in the game, what changes? What changes? 
like, I know, yeah, you have a better chance with, you know, Brock Purdy than you do Joe Johnson. But, like, at, at the same time, that defensive line is still that defensive line, right? That defensive line was still getting pressure all day, right? Like, they were still getting in there, right? So, if Brock Purdy's in there, he's just going to be the quarterback getting pressured. Like, he's not proven. Brock Purdy's not a proven quarterback to where you feel like if he's in the game, like, he would have beat that Eagles defense. He could have done it. He's the guy. That's not what was going to happen. He would have got pressured and blitzed and sacked just the same. Because that defensive line is for real. Now, look, I get it. As a fan, like, you look at it and say, like, man, if we, ha- we- I just wish I could have seen what it looked like with our guy in there. But, hey, man, they turned the heat up on him. They got to him, and they hurt him. Like, that's that's what it is, man. It wasn't a freak injury. It was like, we right there. We in on you. We turned that heat up. Good luck. And the next guy that came in, he got the heat turned up too. Good luck. They were out for blood. They were out to disrupt and destroy in that game, and they did. But with or without Brock Purdy, that was going to be a rough day for the 49ers. Because Brock Purdy is a rookie who has never seen that type of pressure, who was not familiar with those fronts and the, those packages that were going to be coming at him, and he would have had a rough day. If you're being honest as a 49ers fan, as a football fan, we not, we all agree the 49ers probably don't win that game because the defense was still the defense. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it would have looked dramatically different for the 49ers offense had Brock Purdy been in there because I think they would have blitzed him. I think they would have put the pressure on him, and I don't think he would have held up to it. I will never know, like, you know. But again, as a fan, if you want to hold on to that idea, then by all means, hold on to it. But in my mind, that Eagles defensive front, it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, they're putting the heat on you. So the question now becomes, after that game, what do you do with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance? Because Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent, so you can kind of just let him walk, no harm, no foul with that. And at this point, you would anyway, right? Like, even if you didn't have Brock Purdy or Trey Lance, wouldn't you just let Jimmy G walk? I mean, he's gotten injured again. Like, you know, let him go. But now everyone's kind of assuming that Brock Purdy is the guy going forward. But what I would say is, I'm not sure. Like, if Brock Purdy was coming out in the draft this year and you had Trey Lance coming out in the draft this year, Trey Lance would still be picked where he was and Brock Purdy would still be picked where he was now I know you say oh but Trey Lance hasn't shown you anything that's exactly the point if we're talking about talent he's far more talented than Brock Purdy if we're talking about ability you thought coming into the year he had more ability you know to do well than Brock Purdy so I don't see why that changes but now you'd be like oh well the result look what Brock Purdy did it's like yeah in a very short sample size where most teams were facing him for the first time, where they didn't have as much time to kind of really study and see what he likes and doesn't like and where his weaknesses are and how to exploit those. Now, every NFL coach now going into next year has film on Brock Purdy and they could study it and they could come up with a game plan specifically tailored to stopping Brock Purdy and making him uncomfortable. I think if you go into this year thinking Brock Purdy is the guy without a doubt and just anointing him the starter going forward, I think you're setting yourself up for a big, big mistake. Not to mention he had to have uh, surgery on the elbow, so he's not even going to be in a lot of OTAs and in mini camps and starting of training camp even. Uh, He's going to miss some time. So now you're also you're talking about a guy that already was at a, a talent and physical disadvantage to Trey Lance. And now he's going to have, you know, he's going to be starting behind the eight ball. I think what you do is I think you 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 really have a quarterback battle. But I think Trey Lance just can do more. I think if you look at the talent, if you look at the mobility, if you look at the arm talent, I just think he's superior to Brock Purdy. I know Brock Purdy came in and did a great job this year. But if you look at his four years in college, you could kind of see like hey, he's all right. And that's why he got drafted where he got drafted. Now, I know they would say, well, people get it wrong all the time. Look at Tom Brady. It's like, yeah. They didn't get it wrong in terms of his ability. They got it wrong in terms of how much they think he could improve or how committed he is to the sport. 
I think Brock Purdy, in terms of talent, was drafted exactly where he should be. I think what they didn't account for is how good is the team going to be around him. Because Brock Purdy can win you games if the rest of the team is stacked. And when he went into that situation with the 49ers, this team was a perfect setup. So sure, he could he could do well in that. But Brock Purdy's not going to go to any other team and just do the same thing. Like, you wouldn't put Brock Purdy on the Carolina Panthers and think that he's going to have the same type of success. Like, let's not kid ourselves. We know that that's not true. So that being the case, I think that's when you look at it and say, all right, well, let's... Trey Lance is a more talented quarterback. I would go leaning towards giving Trey Lance every opportunity to to prove something. Um, Brock Purdy's coming into his second year. Uh, Trey Lance, you traded, you know, a bunch to try to get up and get him. I think you got to give him every opportunity. That's my opinion. I don't think they're going to. I think they're probably going to stick with Purdy, but I'm not sold yet. So the Bengals and the Chiefs played in a great game for the AFC uh, title. And and that is the new rivalry. I think going into the game with, with people calling it Burrowhead, I think with the... Uh, the, the the governor was it <laughs> of Cincinnati saying that Joe Burrows is, is Mahomes' daddy. I think all that trash talk before the game, and then the way the Chiefs talk trash back after the game. I think that is the new rivalry in the NFL. And I know that after last year, it was supposed to be Buffalo in Kansas City, but hey, man, Joe Burrow has stepped up, and the Bengals have stepped up. And they have taken over that crown as being that's the team that's going to compete with Kansas City for the foreseeable future. And the thing, the the great thing about that game was at no point in that game did you feel like one team had an advantage over the other. It was such a competitive back and forth game that you felt like either one of these teams could win. And and because of that, you just you couldn't you couldn't turn it off. You couldn't turn away. That's a great game. A game that is just so competitive, the teams are so close that it's going to come down to one or two plays that are going to make the difference. And in that game, what it came down to was Patrick Mahomes had time to find guys open and Joe Burrow didn't. Because when they blocked it up for Joe Burrow, he was throwing darts. He was dropping dimes. He played very well. And Mahomes played very well. The difference was on one or two plays, Burrow needed a little time and he didn't have it. And that's why I think I'm saying right now, the the Bengals are an offensive line away from being the dominant team in the NFL. They are that close to being the top team in the NFL year after year. They are right there. If their offensive line, if they can improve the offensive line and, and I, that's what I would do if I'm them. I'm investing everything into that offensive line. Because Jamar Chase, he's there. He's going to stay there. You can lock him up. Joe Burrow, you're locking him up. That offensive line, that they need to fix that. I mean, but what a great game to watch, man. What competitive back and forth. Um, even when you thought one team was taking over, the other team would come back and make a play and make you say, well, hold on now. That was awesome. But I think the biggest takeaway from that game is Joe Burrow is really good. Patrick Mahomes is really good. Um, I know that I've said for the whole year that I have Herbert at two. I have Burrow at one, Herbert at two, Mahomes at three. But God, uh, Mahomes makes a strong case for one. I mean, I I still put Burrow in at one because I think although Mahomes has the stronger arm, Mahomes is going to make the throws that make you say, wow, in terms of what it looks like. Burrow, to me, is pinpoint accurate. Burrow throws the ball in places where you just say, I don't I don't even understand how he got it to that spot. I think Burrow makes some unbelievable throws when it comes to accuracy. So he's still my one. Mahomes might be up there too. Herbert at three. I don't know. We'll have to review the cyber rankings in the offseason, but... What a great game, man. So another news in the uh in the NFL world is Sean Payton has agreed to be the head coach of the Broncos. Now, uh I know, 
you know, there's a lot of love for Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a great coach, good offensive coach, has done well, has done well with quarterbacks, gotten the best out of guys. And I know the idea is, oh, but Russell Wilson's toasted. Here's what I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say it early. Uh, Russell Wilson is going to become the comeback player of the year next year. They're just going to, you already see it setting up now. He had a really bad year. I think everything fell apart for him this year. I think it was terrible. No doubt about it. And because of that, the expectations on Russell Wilson are very low. But he's getting a good head coach, a great offensive-minded head coach, who is gonna who understands and can see what Russell Wilson does well and is going to design things to put Russell Wilson in the best position possible. So don't fall in love with Russell Wilson again now. Don't come out there next year and start talking about, oh, man, we thought this guy was done and everyone said this guy was done. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he's done. I never said he was washed. My stance has always been, I think it was more about the move. I think there was more about personal stuff. I think there was more about personnel. I think there was more about just comfort level. I think there was more about the coaching. I think it was just a bad situation for him. When he expected to come in and just hit the ground running and it didn't happen. And that's a guy who hasn't dealt with real adversity in a long time when it comes to sports. Because remember, when he was at NC State, he did well. Then he transferred to Wisconsin and they hit the ground running. And then he comes to the NFL and started from day one and hits the ground running. Stacked team, stacked roster. So... I think last year was the first year in his football life in a long time that he had real issues and had to figure some stuff out and had a hard time with it. That's what I think. I'm not saying the guy's done. I'm not saying the guy's washed. But I am going to say, don't fall in love with him now. Okay? Don't fall in love with him now. And other news, let's talk Let's talk about the Cowboys. I know I'm kind of running through topics here today. Um, but this is that weird week in between Super Bowl, in between Championship Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday. So it's like that weird, like, ugh, not much going on, that dead period. So, so for the Cowboys, uh, Dan Quinn is staying as the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Now, I'm happy about that. I love that move. I thank God. They're going in the right direction. I think next year they can be even better. I think if you add some pieces, they can be even better. Um, But what did happen was Kellen Moore essentially got fired. They let him go. They said, we're going to move on. We're going in a different direction. And he's leaving. Now, if you know, you know. The reality is, is the Cowboys understand Dak Prescott probably isn't the guy. Unfortunately, he's locked up for two more years. He's got a major cap hit. There's really nothing you could do. You're stuck. But the problem is, is what you were doing or what was happening wasn't working. We can't change the quarterback. We don't want to change the head coach because that's too much turnover. Uh, so what are we going to do? How, how can we improve things? And you just realize we got to go in a different direction with the offensive coordinator. Somebody's got to take the blame. Somebody's got to get ousted. That guy happened to be Kellen Moore, unfortunately for him. Actually, no, not unfortunately for him. Because he moved on. And let me tell you, where he's got set up, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So Kellen Moore gets let go by the Cowboys and then gets and goes over to, to the LA Chargers to coach that offense, those weapons, and, and, and Justin Herbert, that quarterback. Do you understand that, that Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys for four years? Three out of the four years, they were a top 10 offense. That's with Dak Prescott. That's with Dak Prescott. And if you want to talk about talent, I mean, receiver-wise, it's not the great, that's not the best. If C.D. Lamb is like the highlight and then after that is a mild drop-off, C.D. Lamb, to me, is not even like elite. Right, like I, I don't, I don't see C.D. Lamb as being a guy who's unguardable, as a guy who's going to get his regardless. I see C.D. Lamb as a guy who can have a string of games that are really good and then kind of disappear. You can take him out of a game, and with Dak Prescott, he, he's not, he's not, he's not capable of throwing a guy open. 
So that's what Kellen Moore did with that group. Now he's going to, to play with top five talent in Justin Herbert. We can argue over where he's placed, but there's no doubt that talent-wise, he's a top five quarterback. He gets to go there. He gets to go there with Eckler at running back. He gets to go there with that receiver group, which is if they could stay healthy, which is much better than what the Cowboys had. Watch out now. I'm 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 saying right now, I think Herbert is going to have one of those seasons next year that's going to make you say, oh, he's definitely a top five quarterback. I'm not going to sound crazy saying he's the second best quarterback in the NFL after next season. That's my that's my bet right now, because Kellen Moore is going to go in there and he's going to be so excited because I'm sure there were a million plays in the playbook that he wanted to call that he couldn't call for Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott can't do it. I'm sure a lot of the game plans, he was like, yo, if we could do X, Y, and Z, he he didn't have the freedom to just do whatever he wanted. With Justin Herbert, there's not a throw he can't make. There's not a throw he's not willing to make. So you had the sky is the limit. You could call whatever. I think Justin Herbert is going to have a massive season next year. Watch out for it. And y'all, y'all, y'all come back to me and tell me how good Herbert is after next season when you see him with an offensive-minded offensive coordinator, a guy that really is going to take advantage of his, his skill set. Now, with all that being said, Jerry Jones came out this week and said that the Cowboys are interested in extending Dak and that they believe in him and they want to go with it and move forward with him for the foreseeable future. My problem with this is after seven years of being the the starting quarterback, he's proven to you that he can't elevate the roster or carry the roster. If nothing, we can we can all disagree on on, on how good we think Prescott is, but there is no disagreeing when when you put it on Prescott to win the game. When they go into a game and they say, you're not going to have a running game. It's going to be on you, Dak. What can you do? Can you get it done? He cannot. He has not. He never has and he never will. Do you want to know something crazy? We talk about the success of Dak Prescott. Do you know that in the playoffs, Dak Prescott has gotten just as far as Tony Romo has? He's gotten the Cowboys no further than Tony Romo has ever. Like, you do understand that, right? So the difference between the two when it comes to the playoffs is is not it's not a big difference. And if you thought Tony Romo couldn't get it done, well, what do you think of Dak? Do you know Dak has thrown an interception in every single playoff game he's played in? Tony Romo didn't do that. So what are you actually getting with Dak that you feel like is so different than what you've had for the past 22 seasons? Yes, when he goes to the podium, he says all the right things. He sounds like a leader. He never places blame. You never see him yelling on the sideline at people or causing a scene. But what are you getting on the field from Dak Prescott that is so much different than what you've gotten from the previous 20 seasons? And why is this the guy you say we're going forward with him? I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me why that is the case. Here's what I think the Cowboys should do. And maybe they are doing this behind the scenes and they're just not going to say it. Like maybe they're just trying to say the right things. So Dak Prescott is locked up for the next two seasons. This year, I would be looking in the draft and I would be saying, is there a guy who we think is uber talented, but maybe needs a little work and we can draft him late, late in the draft, bring him in. Have him sit behind Dak for two seasons, and then when Dak's contract expires, if that kid is ready to go, we let Dak walk, we put this guy in, and we keep him moving. That's what I would do. That would be my plan. My backup plan, if there's no guy in this draft this year, or if you get the guy in the draft you thought was a draft, and after two seasons you realize, ah, he ain't quite it, then you can. Then at that point you can extend Dak for two or three seasons, or you could just franchise tag him. At that point, franchise him for a year, draft the guy in that season, sit behind him or whatever. So now you're probably asking yourself, who, who, John, do you think you could get? Well, I, I, I'm i going through my draft prep. I've gone through all the quarterbacks. Uh, I got to be honest, it's very top heavy, in my opinion. Once you get past like the first eight, first actually six, like first six quarterbacks, then it starts to get like pick your favorite. But they're all kind of they all got warts. They all got problems. Um 
but Kenny Pickett still wouldn't be in the in the top ten. <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing. I'm just hating on Kenny Pickett. Uh, he would probably be somewhere in like the eighth or ninth best quarterback coming out if he came out this year. But that's a side point. My guy this year that I watched that I love, I fell in love with immediately as soon as I seen him. It's Clayton Toon out of Houston. 6'3", 220, from Texas, so you know football runs in his veins. Big kid, really good arm, throws it well, has nice touch, put up impressive numbers. But when you watch him play, I watched him. I watched a couple couple games of his. Uh, he stands in there. He's willing to make the throw with pressure um, coming down the pipe. He puts it in a good spot. He can make all the throws. That's a guy I really like that guy. And I think he'll be available in the fourth or fifth round. If I get to the fourth round and Clayton Toon is sitting there on the board, I'm taking him in the fourth round. If I get to the fifth round and he's still there, take him in the fifth round. And then I would have him on the roster and I would have him sitting. I'd have him be my backup. I'd have him sit behind Dak Prescott for the next two seasons, getting him ready to go. And then when Dak Prescott's time was up, when his contract expires after next season, or in two seasons, I should say, Clayton Toon is my starter. See you later, Dak. Thanks for the time. Because at that point, Dak will be like 33 years old. No spring chicken. That would be my plan for the Cowboys moving forward if I was the Cowboys GM. That's my guy. I mean, not everybody may like that guy. I think if you go watch the film, uh, go watch him play, I think you'll see what I'm saying about how good he is. Um, that's my guy though. That would be my plan. But I'm not sure if that's what they're gonna do. If they do extend him, like I'm gonna be upset as a fan because I just don't think he's done anything or proven anything to you. If your ultimate goal is to win a Super Bowl, he's proven to you that you're gonna need to create a super team around him. Put Dak Prescott on the 49ers, and that's a Super Bowl team because he doesn't have to do much. You see what I'm saying? That would be a Super Bowl caliber team. What you got in Dallas, he he's not good. At, you need a lot more help than, than what he has. So maybe their goal is to just go out there and load up on weapons. I don't know. But relying on Dak Prescott, bad move. So I want to transition here into something else. Actually, I got two topics that I want to touch on. Uh, two topics left. Um... We could we could talk about Jake Paul, or we could talk about. You know what? Let me talk about something a little more serious, and then I'll finish off with Jake Paul because that's more lighthearted, and whatever. So, immediately after the Chiefs won the AFC, uh, you, you know, trigger warning. Let me get let me give you guys a a, a, a heads up. Um, this is gonna be. Uh, for me, this is this is a um, a serious topic. Uh, trigger warning because I am going to be talking about race, and and I'm going to be so. If you're someone who's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that, blah blah blah, I don't want to hear about that. Like, I'm, I'm giving you a heads up now. Um, but I, but I what I will say is, give me an opportunity to say what I'm thinking, to give to tell you my point. Before you immediately pass judgment on what I'm about to say, right? I probably said I set that up like I was about to say something crazy offensive. <laughs> it's not. All right. So right after the Chiefs won in the AFC Championship game, the uh, promotion immediately came out about how this is the first time two black quarterbacks will face off in the Super Bowl. That was like the that uh, the immediate headline, right? And then all the uh, sports networks and all the debate shows and everybody started running with it. And that was a topic of, you know, what does this mean? And da 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 da. And uh, for me, I'm I am completely baffled by how people don't see the problem with that. Let me ask you. A, let me ask you a question. What position does Jalen Hurts play? He plays quarterback, right? He doesn't play black quarterback, right? What position does Mahomes play? Quarterback, right? He doesn't play black quarterback. He plays quarterback. Why are we labeling them black quarterbacks? 
I'll wait. They're not black. They're just quarterbacks. They're, they're just quarterbacks. There's no difference between the position Jalen Hurts plays and the position Brock Purdy plays. But if Brock Purdy was playing Joe Burrow, you wouldn't be saying two white quarterbacks are facing each other in a Super Bowl. You would say, let's look at the quarterback matchup, and you would just judge them as quarterbacks. For me, in my opinion, acknowledging that Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are black and that there's two black quarterbacks for the first time is saying and acknowledging that you as the NFL or you as football fans or you as the football media don't expect two black quarterbacks to be able to reach this level. It's like a backhanded compliment. And for me, it's annoying, and I've always had this problem, when someone says, the winningest black coach. I'm sorry, what? Isn't he just a coach? So if he is not the winningest coach all time, then why are we creating a different scale for black coaches? Like, acknowledging someone's race when you're acknowledging their position is to separate them from the position they are in. Saying he's really good, he's the most accomplished black quarterback, is like saying, hey, for a black guy, he's good at quarterback. But he's not good for a black guy. He's not good for a black quarterback. He's good for a quarterback. Mahomes, on any metric that you are judging quarterbacks on, is a good quarterback. In the history of the game, he will go down as one of the greats. He won't go down as one of the greatest black quarterbacks. He'll go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks. Why? Because why are we judging him by the fact that he's black? Shouldn't he be judged on the same scale as every other quarterback? In 2023, after we spent from 2020 until now, actually back to 2016 when Kaepernick got booted out of the league, the whole whole problem was we want equality. Equality is not highlighting my race every time I'm successful at something and highlighting the fact that I'm I'm a successful black man. That's not equality. Equality is judge me on the job I do, not by the color of my skin. Don't judge Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts on getting to the Super Bowl because they're black. Two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. It don't matter that they're black. Talk about their age, two young guys getting to the Super Bowl. Talk about how Mahomes in his first five years is getting to his third Super Bowl. Talk about that. Nothing to do with race. They are not in the game because of their race. They are not exceptional exceptional players because of their race. Race does not play a part in their ability or their game or their, uh, their ability to play the game. For anyone to even think that it's necessary to highlight the fact of their race is just perpetuating the problem of we have to acknowledge that there's a difference between him and him because of their skin color, because of their race. And it's not. There is no difference. There is no difference. That would be like calling Cooper Cup a good receiver. He's good for a white guy. What are you talking about? Is he good or is he not? Is he a good football player or not? Because that's what we're judging them on. So now are we supposed to look in the draft this year and look at quarterbacks and say, well, who's the best black quarterback? Are we supposed to look and say, hey, he's pretty good for a white guy? Or are we supposed to judge them on their ability to play the game? See, for me, I have a problem with it. Don't tell me how good Mike Tomlin is when it it compares to black coaches. Don't do that. Don't, don't make a list of the winningest black coaches. No, we don't want that list. The goal is not to be the, the, the winningest black coach. The goal is to be the greatest coach of all time, to win the most Super Bowls all time. Not the most Super Bowls by a black quarterback or a black coach or a black owner. Nothing that. None of that. We are trying to be judged on being the greatest at our position, at our craft. And that goes for every walk of life. Don't say that this person is really smart for a black guy. That's demeaning. Don't say this person is a really good accountant for a black guy. Don't do that. Don't tell me he's the best black accountant or the best black lawyer or the best any of that. Like, don't do that. 
That is acknowledging that you and your brain hold them to a different standard or expectation because of their the color of their skin. That is the problem. We don't want to be judged by the color of our skin. And I say we because I am half black. And I hold pride in the fact that I am biracial. I am both white and black. I grew up uh, with my mom's side of the family, which is white, and grew up with my dad's side of the family, which is black, and they had very different experiences growing up. They come from two different worlds, two different sides of the fence, but they came together, met each other. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, when you talk about that age group, (laughs) there was some friction for sure. But I grew up understanding both sides of the coin and understanding how, oh, this is how they see it. This is how they see it. And here's how, you know what I mean? So I take pride in that. So when I say we, if you if we are not going to acknowledge uh, 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 white quarterbacks for being white and we're just going to label them as quarterbacks and they get to go on the scale of quarterbacks, like Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Nobody ever acknowledges what race he is when you're talking about how great he is. We acknowledge the winning. We acknowledge him coming through in the clutch. We don't acknowledge race. But every time there's a black quarterback, we need to acknowledge the fact that he's black. He's a black quarterback. Hey, look how good he is. This is a this is the best black quarterback. Oh, he's black. We didn't expect him to be this good because he's black. Like Lamar Jackson gets a lot of a lot of credit and a lot of praise and a lot of because he's black. So they look at him and say, Oh, we didn't think he could do this because he's a black quarterback. Black quarterbacks don't typically do this, and it's like, stop it. Patrick Mahomes is the same way. They look at him and they say, like, oh, for, like, it's your expectation. You're just exposing yourself. The fact that you hold this stigma of black quarterbacks can't do this. So for the NFL to put out that narrative and for all of these debate shows and sports networks to run with that narrative, to me it's like, how are you guys missing the fact that even painting that narrative is highlighting the fact that you think this is like somehow unique. Shouldn't this be the norm? Shouldn't in 2023, shouldn't we be just comfortable with the idea of like two guys and we don't really care if they're black or not? Do you know I've never once like, it didn't dawn on me that these were black quarterbacks going through. It didn't matter. I didn't think about it like that. I didn't think about it like that. So I'm coming to it from the perspective of, oh, I I don't look at Mike Tomlin as a black coach. I never think about it, like, where he ranks as far as, like, coaching goes in terms of black coaches. I don't – it never strikes me as, like, oh, yeah, he's a black coach. I don't think about it. So when, it, when, it, when, when, when a black coach gets fired, I don't think about the fact that another black coach got fired. Or when a coach gets hired and he's black, I never think like, oh, yeah, another black head coach. Like, I don't think about it like that. I think about, is he the best guy for the job? Is he qualified? I think to highlight every single time there's an achievement or something accomplished by uh, a certain race, I think to highlight the race that they are is a backhanded compliment or backhanded way of saying, hey, we didn't expect that from you. And I think in 2023, we need to get over that. I think we need to let that go. And in my opinion, the NFL did a poor job by even highlighting that. And I think it's absolutely crazy that all these other people are following suit and using that narrative to like somehow think that you're, you know, bigging up an entire race of people who or, or whatever. Like you're not. It's demeaning, in my opinion. It's like saying that this is a shock. This is a surprise. When in reality, we should be judging these guys on their play, not on their race. And we shouldn't give them a pass for their race, and we shouldn't give them a bump for their race. They should be judged on their ability to play the game, and that's it. That's my two cents. I don't know. I don't know if that was a little heavy for some, but let's let's get into some fun now, okay? Because it's been a few weeks, right? So I feel like I started this off, and I was I was big, 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 big talking on Jake Paul for a long time. Every week I was coming in with a problem or a question or concern or whatever the case might be. Well, Jake Paul, it's official. He's officially fighting Tommy Fury on February 26th, and nobody cares. There is no juice for this fight. And how do I determine that there's no juice for this fight? Because for his other fights, I could not avoid it. 
If I went on YouTube, there was something there about it. If I went on Instagram, there was something there about it. If I turned on the TV, there was something there about it. Like wherever I went, it was it was finding me. And now I'm not seeing anything. I have to go I have to go search for it. Nobody cares. And so in his press run, Jake Paul uh went on uh the show with Bomani Jones. And Bomani Jones asked a really legit question. He asked, well, what happens if you lose? Have you thought at all or prepared at all for the idea of what that means going forward? And of course, Jake says, oh, no, I don't I don't train to lose. And he said and he said, maybe that, you know, that sounds like that might be your mindset. And Bomani Jones said, no, I'm not saying that you're preparing to lose. But are you worried that the interest is going to wane? Because part of the interest is the fact that we're surprised that you're winning these fights, which is legit. People are watching to see how he does. Is he going to win like again? And if you were to lose, it would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not all that. Like 100% the interest in Jake Paul is tied to his wins. If he wins, great, we'll keep watching. If he loses, like, ah, it's over. He's not real. So his Bomani's question was very valid. It's a question that I, I would have loved to ask if I had the opportunity to. And then Jake Paul goes to what his standard response or, you know, retaliation mechanism is by saying, I don't even know who you are. Da, da, da. like to almost insult them by saying like you're a nobody or you're not popular or nobody knows who you are and this and that and it's like that's not relevant to anything what are you talking about and for me when i heard him say that when i heard him kind of react that way I, it made me realize jake paul knows exactly what we all know the reality is setting in that there is no big money fight with canelo coming up there is no big money fight with a professional boxer with tons of with a massive following that's going to it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the end of the road is in sight because who are you going to fight now? Because Bernard Hopkins said it um before before the Anderson Silva fight where he said the jig is up. You were able to fool boxing fans for a little bit by putting on these fights with a Tyron Woodley or Ben Askren. And, you know, you were able to get these fights going and we were going to buy in like, oh, I wonder how good he is. But now we realize what the what the blueprint is. Find an MMA guy who has success in the octagon, who has a big name and a big following in that group. Challenge him, try to embarrass him, make him look old and stupid, get him in the ring where you have the advantages and then you beat him up. The problem is for boxing fans, we're not invested in Anderson Silva. We're not. We're not invested in, you know, Tyron Woodley, a guy who's making his pro fight, who's making his boxing debut. We're not we're not invested to that. So now we're like, okay, if you want to be a boxer, cool, like, but you gotta fight boxers. Like we're invested in the sport of boxing, not not you fighting guys who don't box. That's like beating up kids. That's like the guy who learns how to box and then goes in the neighborhood and tries to fight everybody because he knows how to fight and the other guys don't. Like, you're just now being a bully. Like, that's not, we don't want to see, that's not competition. And so, like, boxing fans are not excited to see, you know, Jake Paul anymore. We already know, like, until you fight somebody who we feel like has a real opportunity to beat you or is at least on your skill level or is it for you to take a step up? We're not paying money to watch you fight these guys that we don't care if you beat or not anyway. And I'm sorry, but Tommy Fury is the best option that he has right now. The best one. Because he wants to fight Conor McGregor, but boxing fans aren't the reason why that fight is going to do well if it does well. We don't care. Boxing fans didn't tune in to watch Floyd Mayweather fight Conor McGregor to watch Conor McGregor. They turned, they tuned in to watch Mayweather beat the hell out of Conor McGregor to prove that boxers, that this is a different sport and you can't do what we could do. Talk that trash and think you can come over if you want to. It's a different ball game. And that's why boxing fans watch it. I rooted for McGregor because I thought, man, what if he does pull it off? That'd be amazing. But in my heart, I was still like, I kind of hope that Mayweather kind of 
lights them up though. <laughs> like it's just that's the way it is. So you're fighting Tommy Fury, and that he's a guy who is can be labeled as a a real boxer. Comes from a boxing family. His brother is Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champ of the world. So you can sell that as, no, this guy is a real boxer. Tommy Fury's come out and said, I've been boxing since I was 14 in the amateurs, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So he's got a little bit of a resume. You feel like he's been boxing exclusively. He's not an MMA guy. So, okay, we got him. This is it. This is the fight to make. This is the one. But guess what? We don't think Tommy Fury is any good either. Like, if you're saying Tommy Fury sucks, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we think so, too. I don't think Tommy Fury's beating Jake Paul. No. And neither do most boxing fans. Most boxing fans don't think. And I saw a clip uh, last week where a guy was saying the minute Jake Paul fights someone who's a real boxer, it's over. He's flat-footed. He doesn't move back well. He telegraphs all of his punches. Someone who's an experienced boxer who knows how to box is going to see all that stuff coming and is going to light him up. Tommy Fury is on the same skill level as Jake Paul, but I don't think he hits as hard. So I'm going to favor the guy who's a heavier puncher when both guys are kind of bad. Jake Paul's not a great boxer. He's not. Jake Paul's not a really good boxer. He's not. And Jake Paul made a glaring mistake because he started out in the influencer boxing scene just like his brother, just like KSI. And what he did was he took the gamble of saying... I don't think this influencer thing is going to take off. I think the real money and the real success is going to be in fighting other guys. And he called his shot. He wanted a Canelo fight. He wanted to do something that seems so impossible and then get that shot, make an insane amount of money, and then ride off into the sunset, win or lose. I told you, I said this right from the jump. He wants to fight Canelo because if he loses, he's going to get a big old payday and he's still going to be able to say, but a kid from Disney, a YouTube star is fighting the greatest fighter in the world. Oh, look at me now. I did it. You could do anything. And he has that story he could put on his mantle and what a great story that would have been. And if for some reason he caught a lucky shot and beat Canelo, now what a story that is. But guess what? Your little YouTube antics, your little... Your little clout chasey antics, the whole, oh, yeah, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a YouTuber, blah, 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 whatever the case might be. Calling guys out, saying that, oh, he's scared, he's running, he doesn't want to face me. That stuff doesn't work when you're talking about professional fighters. That doesn't work with them. They're not kids. These are grown men who are professional fighters who are not getting baited into your silly sideshow stuff. They don't. Canelo don't care about Jake Paul. Canelo's not going to lose a wink of sleep because people think he's afraid of Jake Paul. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And, And Canelo fighting Jake Paul for what? For what? They're not even in the same weight class. Canelo maxes out at 175. Jake Paul is fighting Tommy Fury at 185, and he's got to drop down to get there. What are we talking about? Do you know Jake Paul had Tank Davis on his list of dream fights at one point? Bro, you outweigh Tank Davis by damn near 70 pounds. In what world are you fighting him? So let's call it like it is. Jake Paul's a fraud. And that's why he recently signed on to an MMA company to fight MMA matches as well. Why? Because the MMA community does not care about wins and loss record. They don't. You can go in there and lose. But if you go in there and you fight and you scrap and you give it everything you got, they will fall in love with you and they will love you for it. Boxing is different. Boxing. Look, I love boxing, but boxing fans are fickle. If you got an undefeated record, they think you're good. If you lose a fight, they think you washed. It's over. They got their favorites and that's it. And Jake Paul, the minute he loses, it's over. It's over. Because they're going to say, oh, well, as soon as you, the best guy you fought is the guy you lost to. Of course. Because you're not no good. It's over. But if he goes and tries MMA, as long as he puts up a solid fight and does any and looks somewhat decent, he's going to get a lot of love and a lot of credit. And that's the transition he can make. He already sees the end line, and so do we. We know it's over. 
his boxing career is over. He's at the end of the line. He's going to have to start fighting real fighters now. After this Tommy Fury fight, because the ratings, I promise you, the ratings are going to be low. Low. And that being the case, if the numbers are really low, where is he going to go next? That would be like the third consecutive fight that his numbers have dropped. People didn't care about Anderson Silva because Anderson Silva was 50 years old. We don't think you're going to lose. But we just think if you were ever going to lose, this is the kind of guy that could beat you if he could stay disciplined. But he was old. Like, that's it. It was just age. So who do you fight next after Tommy Fury? You're going to go fight KSI? He made the mistake. He left the influencer boxing scene, and that scene is thriving. Why? Because the people who watch that are fans of that. Those are YouTube fans. That's your fan base. Those are the guys that think, oh, Salt Poppy is causing problems. Like, Salt Poppy will get his ass whooped by a boxer. <laughs> KSI is getting his ass whooped by a boxer. Like, they know, but they know that. They know that they're not on that level. They're not pretending to be on that level. They are doing the best they can in their field, and they created their own little league where guys can come in and do it and blah, 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 and they can do all They talk trash. They get brash with each other. They got weird stunts and all that stuff. Jake Paul fits right into that. But he decided to go for the big fish and say that he was legit because he wanted ESPN to cover it. He wanted all these other sites to cover it so he could maximize his dollar. Jake Paul is fighting for dollars, which is why he's trying to only take fights that can generate a lot of money with very little risk. And he will keep boxing until the money runs dry and that's it. And the money is dry after this unless he takes on a real opponent. A real opponent. And I don't think he's going to do it. Jake Paul's a fraud. He's the same kid that was on YouTube doing crazy stunts in the backyard to get some clout. He's a clout-chasing fraud. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate you coming through this week. Uh, man, it is cold out here. If I can tell you how freezing my feet are, I need to get the, I need to get Trash Can Studios uh, insulated. Listen, if you know a guy who could do some uh, some insulation and some renovation, uh, please hit me up. <laughs> I need something because it is cold, brother. I don't know if y'all can hear me sniffling. I've been trying to hide it, but it is cold. My nose is running. I'm ready to go. Listen, no picks this week. We got no football coming up. Oh, man, it's, it's that time again. But don't worry. Basketball is about to rev up for me. I'm about to start paying closer attention to basketball. And then also we have the draft stuff. I am working hard and diligent watching tons of prospects each day going through all the position groups. Uh, I will be putting out um, some content. We'll probably dive into that next week. I'll be able to do something with quarterbacks, and then we'll go position by position week by week. We'll see how it goes. Um, again, thank you guys for listening. If this is your first time, I hope you heard something that you like that you'll come back for next week. We're here every Thursday. I know this week we're putting it out on Friday, but that's just because you know, no game this weekend, so I'll take an extra day to see if anything cool happened. Uh, just making sure I didn't miss anything or wasn't behind on anything. But Thursdays, we are here every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening. So listen, wherever you're listening to this, do me a favor. Uh, if you could rate it and leave a comment, um, it really would help uh, spread this thing a little further, get it to more people, more eyeballs, more ears. And, uh, and let's build the family out. I'll talk to you guys next week.